we get to talk about the age to come. When Jesus comes back, what does that look like? So I'll let you get your Bibles and your phones open to Revelations 21. Revelations 21 is where we're going to be our text for today. And this is John, who is the beloved disciple of Jesus. That is his self-claimed title. John was in the inner circle. John was in the crew of Jesus, if you will. And he is now at the end of his life. He is in prison on an island surrounded by the ocean. And God gives him this vision, this revelation, where we get the name revelations, of what the age to come will be like. And he gets to experience heaven. And Jesus tells him, John, I want you to write these things down. And he sends this letter to the church that is being persecuted at the time. Now, when we think of revelations, I know a lot of people think of like beasts and all these scary things, but the reality is that this book was meant to be an encouragement. This book was meant to encourage you are suffering now, but there's going to be a day where justice will be served, where you will have to suffer no more. So carry on the good work that you're doing, and this was supposed to be an encouraging letter. I will come back. So Revelations chapter 21, verses 1 through 5. And you could read along with me. I'm going to be reading in the ESV. Then I, John, saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and there was no longer any sea. I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride beautifully dressed for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Look, God's dwelling place is now among the people, and he will dwell with them. They will be his people, and God himself will be with them and be their God. He will wipe every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain. For the old order of things has passed away. He who is seated on the throne said, I am making everything new. Lord, we ask that you will open up our hearts and our minds that we can get a glimpse and visualize a glimpse that John got. That we would have an understanding that this is not our home. Heaven is and we are ambassadors on this earth. So Lord, use us for the now knowing that there is a future awaiting us that surpasses all our imaginations. In your name we pray, amen. I love when he talks about God prepared as a bride beautifully dressed for her. If you think about weddings, and, and I've officiated a few weddings, and some, some recently about a month ago, and if you're like me, when the bride comes into the room, all eyes are on the groom. And it's like, all right, is he going to be a crier? I love the criers. I, I want the groom to, to wail, you know. This is my hope. Because what, it, what is going on is here is he gets overwhelmed with emotion because he's seeing this bride who's been all dolled up, the one that's going to come and change his life for the good, and he is just overwhelmed. It is a beautiful picture. And she comes in. And he's just like, I can't believe, I can't believe this is happening. I can't believe it. And I look at that picture, and when heaven comes to earth, when Jesus comes again, it's going to be like that. 
And we are the groom, and we see the bride coming, and we just get overwhelmed with emotion. I can't believe it's finally going to happen. And T. Wright says, it's not that we go to be with God, it's that God will come to be with us. A lot of people think that when we die, we go to heaven and we become an angel or we are in the clouds. And this is just wrong. This is not what we see in scripture. And we talked about that last week, what happens. But what's going to happen is that actually heaven is going to come to earth. And God is going to restore his creation that he said it was good. He's going to restore it back to being good. And we get to dwell with God on earth. This is going to happen. Paul says in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 9, Eye has not seen, nor ear heard, nor have entered into the heart of man the things which God has prepared for those who love him. We cannot imagine through our broken lens on a broken world the things that God has in store for us. And I know that what we want is we want our current life to be intact, and to be transported. We want earth to come to heaven, if you may. When reality, heaven's coming to earth. Because we can't comprehend what better would be. If you're in a stage of life where you have kids, and you have your better days, and maybe you have someone who's sick, and you just long for healing, and we just can't comprehend, because we have a limited knowledge of what could be. I'll give you some examples just to set the stage before we dive in and imagine through what, the, uh, what John says. Is that if you go back to the great Thomas Edison, I don't know if I'll call him great, but Thomas Edison, the inventor, said that talking films will never replace silent films. Charlie Chaplin is the best. <laughs> if you watch a silent film now, you would probably disagree. Henry Ford, who died in 1928, right after World War I, said, we are too smart to have another war. This was 10 years before World War II, and there's been war after war after war as we are currently watching Ukraine-Russia unfold. He was wrong. My dad, he worked at Kodak, and I remember he came home one day and he told my mom, who was a, like an amateur photographer, he said, hey, we have closed down our digital program because we have said that digital will never replace the quality of film. If you go to Rochester, to Kodak Park, where the Mahars are from, it is a ghost town because they got it wrong. We can't imagine something better than film. And something better comes along. And they are left in destruction. If you think about us, when you are a baby, if you have a baby, the thing they want the most is milk or their mom. There's nothing better. So their imagination of heaven would be just a bunch of milk and moms everywhere. What about when you're a kid? I want to speak for my kids, and maybe you could relate if if you have kids. Their imagination would be, all I want is candy. My kids are obsessed with candy. I'll say, what, what do you want? Do you want to get lobster? Do you want to get steaks? Or do you want to go to the candy store and get like 50 cents of candy? Candy. Because that's their mind. The best thing in the world is candy. If you're an adult, what is the best thing in the world for you? For men, maybe it's intimacy. Maybe the same for a female. Maybe it's success. Maybe it's money. Maybe it's happiness. Well, whatever it may be. We just cannot fathom anything better than our current desires. And I want to say this. Our current desires are based on a broken world. And yes, there is more 
than we can ever imagine, that we can't imagine it because we have limited knowledge. Does that all make sense? Are we on the same page as we carry on? Just to say, okay, maybe the best that I want now is not the best. Maybe there's something even better than that. So let's visualize what our future home will be like. So I'm excited about this. So number one, we will have new bodies. Yes. I don't think I would say this 15 years ago, but now I am so ready <laughs> for a new body. I was talking to, to Emmy about this a couple of nights ago before bed, and we were talking about heaven. I'm like, hey, Emmy, we're going to get a new body. Our body will be restored. And Emmy's like, well, I really like my body. I'm like, well, good for you, but that's not going to last. We are going to get new physical bodies. We will not become ghosts. You will have a physical body. Your body will be resurrected and created new. So the issues and problems that you have right now will be gone. 1 Corinthians 15, Paul says, in the twinkling of an eye at the last trumpet, for the trumpet will sound, the dead will be raised imperishable. So your body will be imperishable and we will be changed. Our bodies will be restored. It's not a zombie apocalypse kind of thing. It's, I know Halloween's coming and we see people coming out of the grave. This is not what's happening here, is that you're not going to turn into a zombie. Your body is going to be fully restored. I'll give you an example. My sister told me a story years ago, and, and this is third hand information, so take it what it was, but the analogy fits, so I'm going to tell it. She said to her friend, they had a bunny. This little girl had a bunny, and one day the bunny died. So we just got a bunny, and so this is really sad, and we're really dreading that day. But the bunny died, and so they went out in the backyard, and they dug a hole, and they put the dead bunny in the hole. And I don't know if they had a ceremony or whatnot, but they went back inside. Well, the neighbor had a dog, and that dog dug up this dead bunny and brought it back to its home and left it on their neighbor's porch. So they come out, and like, oh, my goodness, our dog has killed our neighbor's bunny. So they took it, they fluffed it up, and they put it back in the cage. <laughs> so the next morning, the little girl comes out and sees Fluffy back in the cage, the one they just buried, and yelled, Mom, Fluffy's back! Fluffy has risen from the grave! See, this is not what it's going to be like. It's not like a weekend at Bernie's. It's not going to be, we are going to have our bodies raised and we are going to be created in the way that God intended us to be. Some scholars say that we're going to be age 33 because that was the age that Jesus was resurrected. So I go back, what was I like at 33? And then I'm like, man, I still had no hair. We don't know, but we do know that our bodies will come back. See, Jesus gives us a glimpse of his resurrected body. And they said, oh, it's a ghost. When Jesus appeared after he had risen from the grave, he's with his disciples. And he said, hey, you know, give me some food. And he would eat. Thank goodness we get to continue to eat in heaven. And he was recognized and he talked with them. He showed them the nail holes in his hands. It's still me, guys. This is still my body. But then he could do some really cool stuff. He walked through walls. He would teleport to different places. John Burke, in his book, Imagine Heaven, he talks about people who have, in theory, visited heaven. But what they say is that they get to teleport to all these places. And we see a little bit of that with Jesus. And it's so cool that you are your body, but you're like this super, you know, super body. Number two, we will still 
be us. But the non-broken version of us. John Burke says this, you'll be yourself finally. You'll be yourself finally. We've all experienced days when we haven't been ourselves. Most of those days are caused from the broken world that we live in. Maybe you're suffering from an illness. Maybe you're suffering from a depression. Maybe you're suffering from uh, overexhaustion or anger or addiction, whatever it will be. Maybe some of you right now are having a really bad day, a lack of sleep. Relationships are driving you crazy. And the reason why you can't be yourself is that there's brokenness that's preventing you from being you. And when we're in heaven, there will be no brokenness. So you get to finally be you. For example, Paul says in 2 Corinthians 5, we are a new creation in Christ. Now, he's talking about when we believe in Jesus, that we have become a new creation, right? So if you, if you are a new believer, look at the old way you did things. You are doing things new, and so some of the desires that you once had, maybe you don't have anymore. But you are basically the same personality. So before you're a Christian, you were a football player. You don't say, I'm a Christian now, I can't stand football. That's just you're still you, right? You still are you. And then if you take it a step further, now the ultimate new creation, we will still be you. First John, the same John who wrote Revelation, says this in chapter 3, verse 2. Dear friends, now we are children of God, and what we will be has not yet been made known, but we know that when Christ appears, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is, that we will be like Jesus. So when we look at the transfiguration, when Jesus uh, came back from the grave, we will be like him. And we get a glimpse of this in Matthew 17, when Jesus transforms into his resurrected self. After six days, Jesus took with him Peter and James and John, his brother, again, his crew, and led them up a high mountain by themselves. And he was transfigured before them. And his face shone like the sun, and his clothes became white as light. And behold, there appeared to him Moses and Elijah talking with him. Some side facts about Moses and Elijah. One, Elijah actually never died. Lucky guy. At the end of his life, a cloud came and swept him up to heaven. Moses had a very peculiar death, if you look at his life. Now, he died, but then it says the Lord took his body and buried him. Hmm. Where'd you put him? Maybe, and some scholars debate about this, but maybe they already had their resurrected bodies. And when James and John and Peter see them transfigured, they are in their resurrected bodies, and Jesus had transformed into his resurrected body. And what's really cool about this is that they are still them. They are still them. They are leaders. They're talking. They're powwowing. They're, you know, they're, they're still, Moses may say, hey, remember when the Israelites didn't listen to me? Now they're going to listen to you, Jesus. And they're kind of going back and forth. And Elijah's like, you know, like I had this big cool thing that I battled Baal and this happened. And they're just talking. Who knows what's happening to be a fly on that wall? But they recognize each other. Number three, and with that, we will continue our relationships. I don't know about you, but this may be the thing I'm excited the most. Now, they will change. Scripture says that we will no longer be given into marriage or be married. If you're like me, maybe I'm thinking, oh, well, that stinks. 
Well, though I'm not married to Kate, that doesn't mean I won't have a relationship with Kate. We will still have relationship with our children and our parents, but it will change. I, I love, I heard this the other day, that God has no grandchildren. God has no grandchildren. Now, this was said in the fact that our kids' faith cannot exist through us. They have to have their own faith because their faith represents they are a child of God. So when we are in heaven with our parents, our relatives, our kids, we are all going to be children of God. Brothers and sisters worshiping our father. Jonathan Edwards says, Every Christian friend that goes before us from this world is a ransom spirit waiting us in heaven. There will be the infant of day, meaning a short period of time, that we have lost below, through grace to be found above. If you're in the James session, he says we are just a mist. There the Christian father and mother and wife and child and friend with whom we shall renew the holy fellowship commenced again in the upper sanctuary, and that shall never end. We will care about them, but we won't have to care for them. I, I, I think what we think if we were to freeze this time, you say, hey, I love being a child of this parent, or I love being a parent of this person, or I love being married to this person, and you get to continue that relationship, but it will change. We get to care about them, but we don't have to care for them. Now, I want to tease this out because I think this is a hard one because we say, hey, I'm always your mother. I'm always your father. That's going to continue forever, but let's just tease it out. On, right now, in, in our household, we have three young kids, and on Christmas morning, our tradition is that they all wear a onesie. They come out, they open their stockings, they open their gifts. We have a special breakfast. It's fantastic. Most of their gifts are toys, right? And it's a great time, and we love it. Now, in 30 years, if we were going to do the same thing, my kids are wearing a onesie. They come out, <laughs> They open their stockings. They all live at home. They start opening their toys. I don't think I would experience the same joy. I was like, you guys got to get out and take off that onesie. It's been 30 years. My point is relationships change. Think about your relationship with your parent. You have a different relationship with your mom or your dad. I hear a lot of people say, what I love the most about my mom or dad is now they're not caring for more the, the way they used to. Now we're more like friends. That's what I hope with my kids, that they won't have to depend on me, but we would still continue a relationship. And when we're in heaven, we will still have our relationships, but it will change. We'll all be brothers and sisters. But God's family that he created here, I do think will continue will continue. And we see that. What's cool about Elijah and Moses is that they were separated by thousands of years and they kind of were hanging out. <laughs> hey, remember when you led and remember when I led? I mean, that was crazy, you know. Imagine us going, hey, guys, you guys didn't have TikTok. <laughs> you want to talk about doing ministry that's hard? Relationships will continue. Heaven is a physical place. Heaven is not this spiritual world that is, you know, in the clouds. It is an actual physical place. I want to read a little bit of John's revelation in Revelations 22. Then the angel showed me the river 
of the water of life, as clear as crystal flowing from the throne of God and the Lamb down the middle of the great street of the city. On each side of the river stood the tree of life, bearing twelve crops of fruit, yielding its fruit every month. And the leaves of the trees are for the healing of the nations. No longer will there be any curse. The throne of God and the Lamb will be in the city. And his servants will serve him. They will see his face, and his name will be on their foreheads. There will be no more night. They will not need the light. They, they will not need the light of a lamp or the light of the sun, for the Lord God will give them light, and they will reign, they will rule forever and ever. The Bible Project says, because this has a lot of Garden Eden symbolism, says this, but it's not just a return back to the garden. It's a step forward into New Jerusalem, a great city where human cultures and all their diversity work together in peace and harmony before God. Now, John has a lot of symbolic meanings in this, but he is describing a physical place. If you go um, and look at Life Magazine's Heaven on Earth, it's one of their most famous copies, and I know we don't really watch, get magazines anymore, but it's talking about all these beautiful destinations around the world. And it says, heaven on earth. I don't know about you, but when you go hiking and when you go outside, maybe it's a beautiful city and you see something so beauty, beautiful, you're like, this is heaven. I think of my grandmother's lake up in northeast Maine. There's no one really around it, and the sun sets right over the lake. And I think this would be heaven if there were no mosquitoes. <laughs> and in heaven, there won't be any mosquitoes. I hope not. And I'm like, that is a glimpse of heaven. I remember being in Guatemala right out of college, and me and my buddy were there for a couple months, and we saw a sign to go to this like traveling destination called Samuk Champe. And what it was was a waterfall. It was a river that went underneath the ground, and on top were a series of waterfalls, and it was this crystal aqua color, blue, greenish color. And we were like, man, we got to go there. And we went, and it did not disappoint. I remember thinking about this. Is this even real? And we got to swim, and I felt like this is heaven on earth. See, God created a good earth. And we get glimpses of heaven on earth in those scenarios. So if you're someone who loves the ocean, it's a beautiful day. Because I do believe there will be water. The reason why John says there won't be an ocean because he's in jail surrounded by the sea. The sea was a symbol of like darkness, the unknown. So that part of it won't be there. But I believe if you are a sailor, maybe it's going to be the best sailing. Maybe if you're a hiker, you're going to hike mountains like you've never hiked before. If you're a city person, well, we know there's going to be a city. And the New Jerusalem is going to be about two-thirds the size of the United States. There's actually a, a mileage that is given to John. And then the question is, with all this, what are we going to do? What will we do? I, I think a lot of people think, well, when we get to heaven, it's going to be one long church service. Now, we're talking about heaven, not hell. <laughs> because even as a pastor, I'm like, that's not what this is going to be. All we're going to do is sing. I hate singing. We're just going to sing, 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 and we're going to float around. And it's going to be just like church all the time. Well, yes, we will worship God, but worship has a variety of meanings. And many people think, oh, we're going to be bored. Think about it. The creator of the earth who created all this stuff created it for us to use it. I think it's going to be fun. 
I think we're going to have adventures. I think we're going to continue relationships. Luke 6, 21, he quotes Jesus, and he said, Blessed are you who are hungry now, for you shall be satisfied. And then he says, Blessed are you, this is what Jesus says, Blessed are you who weep now, for you shall laugh. Martin Luther, the great theologian, says, If we aren't allowed to laugh in heaven, I don't want to go there. Laughing's not a sin. Laughing is a part of how God created us. We will have purpose. Now, I think on earth, one of the things that is some of the hardest things for us is to have no purpose. I've talked to some, not all, some people who've retired, and I asked, well, how's it going? Many struggle. Well, why? This is what you dreamed of. Didn't you dream about a life of doing nothing? And they say, well, I had a purpose before, and now I'm purposeless. When we were in the hospital, one of the hardest things as we were going through treatment, the church stepped up and provided for us with our food, provided us for cleaning our house. And there was a point where that was hard because it's like, what are we supposed to do? I've talked with other people, especially those who have a cancer treatment diagnosis, and they say, hey, I love the support, but I can do stuff because I am supposed to be doing stuff. So what will that purpose be? Well, if you go back to the garden, the original creation that God created that was good, we were called to rule with God. He said, go name the animals. Go rule. You're, you're supposed to get your food, but just don't get your food from there. Revelations 22.5, it says, we will reign forever and ever. We will continue to rule with God. Revelation 3.21, for him who overcomes, I will give the right to sit at me on my throne. You're on a throne because you're a ruler. We get to continue to rule the earth. Randy Alcorn wrote a book called Heaven. It says, it's possible we'll continue some of the work we started on the old earth. I believe we'll pursue some of the same things we were doing or dreamed of doing before our death. Moses and Elijah were still kind of involved. They were prophets before, and that kind of continued some of their traits. I think we are going to use some of the gifts that God has given us. Your gifts that you have are not a product of a broken world. It's a product of how God created you, and because you're still going to be you, you are going to still have certain gifts that make you you. So if you are a creative, maybe you're going to be a painter or a woodworker. If you are a mountain biker, imagine the best switchback trails that you've ever had. If you are a sailor, a surfer, a musician, an athlete, maybe you're an animal lover. Yes, there will be animals in heaven. But here's a kicker. They don't eat you. You see the lion and the lamb lying down together. You can have a pet lion. You can ride on a giraffe. Remember, you are still you. See, in the garden, it was perfect, but yet they still work. But here's when the curse came in. When we read Revelation, it said there will be no longer curse. The curse was that we will sweat and toil. It's not that we won't have to do anything. It's that what we do is very difficult. I will say when I do, sometimes, sometimes when I'm doing a house project and things are going well, it's great. That. That never happens, by the way, because I'm like, I'm taking like 20 trips to Home Depot. You guys, you guys, maybe you could relate with that. I'd be like, man, this is the worst. We're like, I tell Kay, hey, this project should only take me 10 minutes. And she's like, all right, I'll see you next week. 
Because there are things that come around. Think about having to do the things that God has called you to do without a brokenness or sin in your way. Work was not the curse. The struggle was. And everything is better without struggle. A couple days ago, or a couple weeks ago, I would take my three-year-old on a bike ride. And some days we would go, and it would be perfect weather. The foliage is around the reservoir, throwing rocks. I'm like the, the awesomest dad. We're crushing it. He's happy. He's like, I'm laughing. I come back, and Kate, like, well, how was it? I'm like, Kate, that was awesome. It was like heaven. Well, then the next day I took him, and it was colder out, and I forgot to dress appropriately and him. He's crying. I forgot his pass. I didn't have any snacks. It was the worst time ever. He's screaming and kicking my back. I'm like coming back. Kate's like how it was. I'm like, it was hell. <laughs> Why? Because there was a struggle involved. In heaven, that will be released. We will have no curse. There will be justice. John Eldred says this, the longing for things to be good again is one of the deepest yearnings of the human heart. It has slumbered in the depths of our souls ever since we lost our true home. For our hearts remember Eden. We, as human beings, desire justice. When someone hits a kid, what do they do back? Hit them right back. Justice. Look at all the protests that you're seeing around the world. Is there something in us that des desires something to be set right again? Whether you're on the right side of that or not, I, I, that's not the point. The point is that it's in us. Turn on the news or go on a CNN app or Fox News app and you'll see. And what happens is your heart starts to break and you start thinking, man, this is not right. Someone should do something about this. Because we long for justice. Revelation 6, 9, these are the people who were killed for their faith are yelling this. How long, sovereign Lord, holy and true, until you judge the inhabitants of the earth and avenge our blood? Revelation 21.8, but as for the cowardly, the faithless, the detestable, as for murderers, the sexual immoral, immoral, sorcerers, idolaters, and all liars, their portion will be in the lake that burns with fire and sulfur, which is the second death. There is going to be a time that there will be justice served, that God will come and destroy evil and restore the earth. That time is it's not here. It is coming. But we read in Revelation 21, 4 and 5, there will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain for the older things have passed away. He who is seated on the throne said, I am making everything new. Imagine those of you who are struggling right now not having to struggle. I think especially about those struggling with mental illness that there's going to be a day where that will be lifted from them. That that will be destroyed and they will be restored. Imagine physical illness. Things that are struggling, things that are destroying us. That God has said, I'm going to take that destruction and I'm going to turn it into resurrection. I'm going to restore it. Think about 
your child struggle. I think this hits home with so many parents who watch their kids struggle. And maybe it's a, a mental illness. Maybe it's something that's a product of the broken world. And can you just, just imagine that that cloud will be lifted from them one day. And you are going to see them who they are truly are. You're going to see them how God created them good and perfect without the struggle in their life. See, this is my hope. God says over and over again, I'm going to give you strength in this world. I'm not going to take it away just yet. But he does says, I am coming to change the order of things. That was old, and I am making everything new. Could you just imagine that? And for me, and for me, it gives me so much hope. Because I look at Romans 8, and it says, yet what we suffer now is nothing compared to the glory he will reveal to us later. For all creation is waiting eagerly for that future day when God will reveal who his children really are. Against its will, all creation was subjected to God's curse. But with eager hope, the creation looks forward to the day when it will join God's children in glorious freedom from death and decay. There's going to be a day where we will be released from death and decay. Eldred says that what, this, what Satan is doing is he's in the decreation process. And he says, look at the environment. We are decreating what God has created. Look at our health, what we eat for food, that he talked about food allergies being spiked at an all-time high, how food is processed, that is literally destroying us from the inside out, and that we are in the decreation process. Because what the enemy wants to do is what God created good, he wants to decreate and create bad. A couple days ago, my friend Heidi, who lives in Poland, and she's been receiving a lot of Ukrainian refugees, and there's one daughter and mom said, hey, we want to go back and we want to support the dad and the husband who's been fighting. They go back to Ukraine and she sent a video and it was this father who was killed in the front lines. And this five-year-old girl goes to the coffin and you see this dead body wrapped up and they give this little girl a medal and she's bawling and she runs to her mom and everyone's crying. And if you're like me, you're thinking, this is just not right. I think about my daughter Ellie when we were in cancer treatment for four years and I'm thinking, this is not right. It's not supposed to be like this. Maybe you can relate. Maybe it's you. Maybe it's someone you love and you are thinking in your heart. It's not supposed to be like this. And I want to encourage you that God is saying, I agree. It's not supposed to be like this. And I will come to make it what it was always supposed to be. As the band comes up, I just want to end with some encouragement. Because it's not supposed to be like this. It's not. It was never supposed to be. We brought in the brokenness. We brought in the sin. 
But God, out of his grace, is saying, you know what? I am going to make it what it's supposed to be. There's going to be a day when I come back and restore all things, and it's going to be just as we just talked about. This summer, I did two graveside ceremonies, one for my grandmother, one for my aunt. They were literally 10 feet away, one on Friday, the other on Sunday. And I remember thinking, this is too much. This is a lot of death. It's not supposed to be like this. And I looked back, and I saw my uncle's grave. Now, my uncle was the brother of my grandfather, who is a strong believer, who we started this whole series out. And my grandfather would pray for him over and over and over again. And about 20 years ago, when I was baptized, my uncle was baptized with me. So it was so cool. And he changed his life, and he became a follower of Jesus. And on his gravestone said this, Life has not ended, just changed. And I remember as I was doing these ceremonies thinking just that. Life is not ended, just changed. Chip Ingram says, we think that we are in the land of the living, going to the land of the dying. When in reality, we are in the land of the dying, headed for the land of the living. Could we have that perspective? I think so much we try to make heaven, we try to make earth heaven in a way that's like this is all my desires, all the things that I, I worship. I want just God to give me everything. And, and what we want, we want earth to go to heaven when in reality heaven will come to earth. Jesus says this in John. Again, John who wrote Revelations. He says this. Jesus says, very truly I tell you, whoever hears my word and believes him who sent me has eternal life. And will not be judged, but has crossed over from death to life. Very truly, I tell you, a time is coming and has now come when the dead will hear the voice of the Son of God. And those who hear will live. I get frustrated that Jesus doesn't heal more. I get frustrated that Jesus doesn't resurrect more on this earth. I heard a commentary said that Jesus only resurrected three people. He was walking on this earth in his ministry for three years, but he only resurrected three people. People were dying all around him, and he will mention that, but he only resurrected three, and the question is why? This commentator said, well, because he knew more. Why am I going to bring someone out of heaven and back into brokenness? Could we open up our minds? I wasn't sure if I was going to say this story, but I will because we're a family. My sister's vision of my daughter the day before she died was that Ellie was in heaven in a garden. The word paradise that's often referred to heaven is a garden, Garden of Eden. And she says that what she saw that Jesus said, Ellie, it's time to go back. And Ellie said, I don't want to go back. I want to stay here because I don't hurt anymore here. For me, I long for her to make a different decision. But if I could think, well, that cloud of struggle has been lifted and you are with your eternal father and one day I will be reunited and one day we'll be reunited with all the love and our relationship will carry on, though it will be different. We'll still care deeply for each other. We'll still love deeply for each other. Well, then you made the right choice. Jesus says, this is the land of the dying. We are in the land of the dying, going to the land of the living. We will have eternal life. 
In the words of John Wesley, with this perspective, he says, the best is yet to come. I really struggle when people say that right now. Hey, you're going to get a new job. Guess what? The best is yet to come. Like, you don't know that. This job could be worse than the other one. But what I do know is that in heaven, that will be the best. And so with that, I can say with confidence, the best is yet to come. There will be no more tears. There will be no more suffering. And he's come to create all things new. Would you stand and would you pray with me as we close out this series? Lord, we pray that you give us eyes to see the things that we have to hope for. Though we can't literally see them, let us live with a perspective of heaven that we can get through the now because we know that the now doesn't last forever. It is yet a mist, as James says, that we will be with you and dwell with you in perfection, that we will be finally ourselves, that our bodies that are breaking down will not break anymore, that the clouds of mental illness, the clouds that is causing us to struggle daily will be lifted from us, and we will finally be ourselves with you, Jesus, the creator, the perfecter, forever so lord let that encourage us to live in the now because we are people of the future living in the present